Big 12 champions. We are the Kings. Let me say let me say oh, it one no. more. Let me say it one more time, John, just to make sure I know it's real. Big 12 freaking champions. Bowdown. K-State Walker. Bowdown. We are the almighty Big 12 champions. We come into TCU's backyard and we ripped the hearts and souls out of Horn Frog fans last night. It felt really, really good. Really, really good. And on top of that, I mean, you, you won a conference championship while you're doing that as well. I mean, we knew what this team was capable of. We knew, I mean, Will Howard had talked about it after that last game against TCU where they scored 28 unanswered, were very banged up, you know, losing Fort Worth. We were going to get another shot at these guys. And I mean, it was going to be different and it was different. Um, I mean, let's, let's just get this out of the way first, before we even get into the game. Uh, did we just, do we witness the greatest game in K-State history? Greatest big 12 championship game, possibly the greatest goal line stand in K-State sport in K-State football history. I mean, when you, when you, I mean, I know TCU had, Possibly the worst offensive calls right there because you shouldn't have bet you should you should have just kept the ball in Duggan's hands. I mean he was really the momentum factor for TCU. You should have let him have the ball uh, with the QB sneak into the end zone. Instead, you hand it off to Kendra Miller and K State just finds ways to to stop him. Not once, but twice. They stop him twice at the one yard line. I mean that is a tremendous goal line stand that I've that I've seen. That ultimately, uh, that ultimately leads to Ty Zentner's game-winning field goal. It was just absolutely berserk, and I was at that game yesterday as as well. And I was like, but, but, I mean, I was, I, I mean, I was just like, after the third down stop, I was like, okay, TC's going to be punching it in right here. I mean, there's no way K State Stevens can get him again. Well, they just got him again. I, I mean, it's just absolutely unreal. The adversity, uh, the adversity this K State defense, uh, was up against. I mean, you want to talk about the secondaries? They had to fill some gaps. Uh, and then the defensive line late with Uso Samalo uh, having to go out as well. Um, they had to find some gaps as well. Um, but they rose to the occasion. Uh, last night at at the biggest moment uh, when K State needed them as the most. It's crazy to think about, but I mean, I think when you considering everything you just mentioned, this has to be, I don't even know if it's that close, especially for the win, um, the greatest game in K-State history in terms of like how electrifying the game was to watch um, and the ups and downs of everything and the emotional roller coaster that it was. Because I mean, when you think of great K-State games, these are all fairly recent, the ones that I just thought of off the top of my head. Because, yeah. you know, I was born in 2001, so that's kind of my frame of reference here. But, you know, you've got the – I mean, first of all, you've got the other famous goal line stand in 2011 against Miami, the, you know, the big win against Baylor in 2011, the quadruple overtime game against Texas A&M. You know, you've got 20 other games. Yeah, I know. 2011 was a whack year. You also had the overtime game. I think it was an overtime game against Oklahoma State that we ended up losing. Um, but yeah, 2011 was, I mean, you have the Eastern Kentucky game where we went on the last, like a, you know, final couple minute touchdown. Uh, anyway, I mean, you've got, 
you know, 2017 versus Iowa State, 2019 and 2020 versus Oklahoma, 98 Nebraska. Um, I believe it was 1996. There was a last second touchdown by Matt Miller to Kevin Lockett. Um, yeah, at Cincinnati, right? I'm not, a, I don't know, but I know there's, I think it's in the Willie's archive trailer. Um, <laughs> but I, but I mean, I think all of those just fail in comparison to this game, given the stakes of it being a conference championship, given the stakes of all the storylines that were in this game, the fact that we won on a walk-off field goal. And, you know, I mean, you mentioned the goal line stand, which is absolutely electric and everything else that happened in this game, which we'll obviously talk about. I think this has to be the greatest game in K-State history. Well, from my perspective, the greatest game in K-State history was the one that sparked the renaissance of K-State football. And you got to, I mean, you got to put into consideration the North Texas win uh, in 1989 uh, when Bill Snyder was uh, in his early stages at the helm at K-State. I mean, I'm I'm probably just going to lean towards that one, but I mean, if you want absolutely... Wait, 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 wait. If you want absolute, like, crucial moments, I mean, in terms of a regular season, maybe you go towards Iowa State. But if you want, like, the, the game that, signif- that intensifies K-State's brand at, as a Big 12 championship powerhouse, I mean, that that is it right there. K-State's, with that win, they take them the next step Uh and and that regards as well, but you, you go ahead, you you go ahead. Well, I mean, I just want to clarify. I'm not talking about greatest win because I think that's 1998 versus Nebraska. Uh, I'm talking about the greatest game in terms of like you know somebody even like you know once again we can talk about this as well. The Big Twelve for the second year in a row steals the show from all the other conference games and has the most electrifying game of conference championship Saturday by far. It's not even particularly close. I think I don't think any game was really that close. Um, I mean, I don't know. The AAC championship wasn't even that close, but I mean, this, I mean, just to think that we have watched one of the greatest games in K-State history is just something to mark. Um, and to be, and to come out on top and be big 12 champions is just unbelievable. Um, I think the theme for me, John, before, I mean, I kind of have, there's so many things to talk about this game, even just like I went through the highlights. I couldn't even, everything was just such a blur watching this game. But I think the theme from this game for me was just, I mean, Chris Kleiman's talked about it. You face adversity, stay in the fight. You know, so many things didn't really go our way this game. We had an opportunity to win this game 35-7, honestly, if we had done everything perfectly. But we didn't. We got off to a rough start. Injuries piled up to the point we had Keenan Garber, a wide receiver, playing defensive back for us. You know, it VJ Payne and Jacob Parrish, true freshmen on one side of the field. Um, you know, we get some calls that go that go our way. We get some calls that do go our way. Um, uh, we won't talk about that false start penalty on Ben Senate for the touchdown, but uh, uh, I mean, and then we muff a punt. I mean, you know, there's some things that definitely went wrong in this game, but we stayed in the fight. We faced adversity, and I mean, you know, you know, and uh, having a player led locker room, the culture that we built, all led to this moment of being able to face that adversity head on and come out on top. I mean, this game against TCU pretty much, I mean, it pretty much was just one game that that described K-State's overall season. You have so many highs, you have so many lows. I mean, you have a lot of momentum factors each each way, Um, whether it was stopping Max Duggan on Felix's sack while ultimately leading 
to a muff punt from Phillip Brooks, which really, in my opinion, changed the game around for TCU. But I mean, just I mean, it was just completely back and forth. And I, I think a lot of people alluded to this after the game as well. Um, it was a next man up. It, it, I mean, this game was definitely next man up. We talked about the first time we these two teams played. Um, a lot of key players went out for K-State. And a lot of key players came out of the Big 12 championship game as well. Echo Boydo, he went out with an injury. Malik Knowles went out with an injury. And shout out to RJ Garcia as well for filling in for Malik Knowles as well. I mean, that I mean that is a tall task. Uh and then the next thing you know, Uso goes out early. Uh we'll we'll know. KT about, Leviston was out for a little bit. Right. Yeah, KT Leviston as well. Um, just some of those key playmakers uh, on both sides of the ball and K-State K-State faced all that adversity like they did the first time against TCU uh and they 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 just handled it right out of a get-go I mean you got you have Will Howard going for 18 to 32 uh for two touchdowns nearly 200 yards uh and then on top of that uh you also had Deuce Vaughn just I mean dude I, I I mean I as much as I love Deuce Vaughn I I desperately love for Deuce to come back. That, that, I mean the way he played yesterday ha, has to get some spark from the NFL. I mean I I I don't know I I don't care what you're saying but 26 carries 130 yards that 44 yard touchdown run. Um, boy you just exposed the TCU. Uh, I want to say the TCU safety or the cornerback. I'm not sure. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't too familiar with the with the backside of the field there, but I mean that move that he made was just <laughs> it was absolutely insane. I lost my mind in the stands. Um, and then on top of that, you had great performances from the likes of Ben Sennett. Uh, Philip Brooks also had a great day, but minus the uh, muff punt. And like I pointed out earlier, R.J. Garcia. He had two receptions of 27 yards, uh, including that big touchdown where he grabbed it from one, uh, with one hand and and uh, brought it back down. I mean, it was just all around uh, a team effort. And on top of that, on the defensive side, you had Drake Cheatham balling out, uh, as well as Daniel Green. Felix Indyke Uzama came away with that big sack and took away Max Duggan's towel as well. But uh, when, when – Getting getting a type of win like this over TCU should just really, uh, I mean, I mean, it brings two thousand and three type of vibes because you know, but it's both undefeated teams. Oklahoma was number one, TCU was number three, but they're both undefeated, and they both have it. Both have a lot of momentum, and K State just brings brings out all their players and puts out some of their best performances in their college career. All on the line against this team, and they just continue to find ways to do it. Um, they they just never give up. They make the they make the plays most necessary to win. Um, and especially for TCU, where it just didn't pan out the first time, uh, they were just able to cut down on all of their mistakes. Uh, and in the secondary as well, uh, I was, I mean, you you shut down Quentin Johnston, uh. For the most part in the second half, um, and on top of that, uh, uh, I I believe Tay Barber went out for an injury for TCU, but 
that's for another discussion. But nonetheless, I mean, I'm just so happy. I, I'm sorry I kind of rolled through the stats a little bit, but I mean, you want you want to talk about a next man up performance like that? Uh, it, it that that to me was really, you know, what described this entire game. You know, it's really tough for these, you know, Big Ten, Pac-12, SEC fans who want to hate on the Big 12 to watch the Big 12 championship the last two years and say that this is a bad conference. I mean, first of all, if you think this is a bad conference, check the strength of schedule numbers. I mean, one um, website that I saw um, ranking strength of schedule had five Big 12 teams in the top 10, and it probably had like eight in the top 20. I mean, like this is this is the deepest conference in football. It's the most entertaining. And these were simply put, this was some damn good football. I mean, I've seen some terrible football in my life, John, from various teams, maybe sometimes K-State. But this was some really good football between two very, very good teams. And it was so obvious from the get-go. Uh, I mean, it was it was just un- un- unbelievable to watch. And that and that was the type of performance. Uh, let's let's focus on TCU. This is the type of performance for their sakes that not only would they remain in, in, in playoff consideration, they still they the rankings came out there number three. That was the type of game that that if TCU won, I mean Max Duggan would have had his Heisman hopes just completely skyrocket. I mean he, I mean he is an absolute playmaker. Uh, he had this entire team on his back, 251 passing yards, I mean, 110 rushing yards, including that long 40-yard run to put TCU into the position of tying it up. I mean, he was I mean, he was also to the point where, like, it was hard to breathe after every time they scored as well. Like, I mean, after the players wanted to celebrate, he's like, no, guy, I mean, guys, I, I, I'm, I'm out of it. Just, just help me out, get to the sideline. I mean, that is that is nothing more than impressive. And the ambulances are going behind me, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, but it, just a great performance by him. Um, but overall, it was just a fantastic game all around. Just a lot of big plays uh, went one went one way. A lot of big plays went the other way. I mean, it's it's a classic, Blake. It, it was an absolute classic. Yeah, it really was. I mean, before I kind of want to go through this entire oh, game because I can guarantee uh, what. In a, in a future Willie's archive episode, surprisingly. Yeah, 20 years from now, we'll definitely go back and look at this game for sure. Because uh, yep. it's definitely worthy of that. Um, Before we get to this game, because I kind of want to walk through the highlights of this game and the stories, because there's so many of them that I can guarantee there's some stuff that you're like, oh, my God, like that happened. I totally forgot about that. Um, before we get to that, John, I mean, you mentioned you were at this game. You were at college game day. Um, I'd like to hear your experience of Arlington. You know, if you had, saw some TCU fans, what they were like, you know, what was the experience like at Jerry World? Oh, man. Oh, wow. Okay. So we had our show on Friday night, and right afterwards, uh, we got Jimmy Johns and went straight on down to Arlington. And we probably arrived there around three three a.m. <laughs> two like two thirty or three a.m. And we we stayed at the sleep in hotel, uh, which is like two miles from a stadium. And I don't think I've had a more comfortable sleep for three hours than I had at that hotel. Uh, I mean, but the rest of the like the room was fine, but the bed the bed was five stars. 
Um, but anyways, f- flash forward to college game day. Um, it it was a it was a great turnout. There was a lot of K State fans, and and on the front portion, like I'm in front, uh, like just behind the game day set. And then you had all the TCU fans, uh, in the back, <laughs> just chanting TCU, TCU, TCU. Um, I mean it, it's a it's a loud bunch that both that both that both schools brought. I mean TCU, of course, they're only twenty miles, uh, which makes sense. I mean K State. I mean, K-State's one of the t- best, best fan bases in the country. And it helps when you have a lot of alumni down in the DFW area uh, as well. Uh, that's definitely going to um, get more fans, uh, more K-State fans as well. But um, inside AT&T Stadium, well, actually, I should say this as well. I mean, Pat McAfee mentioned as well in game days, like, Oh, uh, TCU is only like 20 miles, but man, it feels like there's a lot of every man a wildcat, and then just the crowd exploded uh, on K-State's side. It was loud. And then, then at the game, here we go. Yeah, then we'll get to the game. Uh, at the game, it looked like, in terms of a pregame stuff, it felt like a 60 to 40 advantage for K-State, but before, but like right when kickoff began, uh, I think TCU made a may have had more of a home field advantage, like a 60 to 40 um, advantage. We were on the, I want to say, where are we? Northwest side of a stadium. And I'm an, and I'm a north side of the end zone. Like I thought it was going to be like a mix between K-State and TCU fans. Uh, but there were more TCU fans on both the north end zone and the south end zone. Uh, and, and the other, and the other portion of the, uh stadium as well so i mean they came out with some good numbers as well uh but that didn't stop the k-state fans from making a lot of noise it was absolutely electric in there uh i hugged a lot of guys that i never met in my life after winning the big 12 um it was it it, it was a big it was a big win i mean it was an absolutely big win and the way the stadium reacted as well like we knew it was going to go in but we just had to get get it all on video, and I mean, John Kurtz tweeted out on Twitter, uh, like all the fan base, like the entire fan base was reactions, like they had a lot of recordings on their phone. But we, but uh, I, I mean, I was just so happy to the point where I was just hugging so many people afterwards. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a great. I mean, it was a great experience, uh, not only with game day, but uh, AT and T Stadium. Uh, I mean, whatever way to celebrate than going to uh, America's favorite convenience store and Bucky's as well. Uh, that never disappoints as well. Uh, oh, and I also um want to give a shout out to Wildcat ninety one nine. I was I was a part of the fan side of things at halftime. They I called in for the halftime for the halftime report and discussed about like the fan side of things. Um, so that was always fun. Colby and Anthony did a uh, did a great job on the call yeah yeah colby van camp and anthony georges uh they 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 always do a tremendous job as always but um it was just it, it was so much fun blake uh yeah i know you were you, you weren't able to make it uh for that one but um it, it it was definitely it was definitely one of the best trips i've had in a long time yeah i mean that does that sounds pretty funny based on what i heard on twitter the K-State marching band blew the other TCU band out of the water and played great. TCU's band is really small. I yeah, mean, I mean, they are smaller enrollment, you know, to uh, be uh, fair. Uh, but Yeah, I mean, um, well, on their side, it's like TCU had only had 
they were only barely able to get like bare like one one aisle of of uh of stands. Wow. The K-State's band was so big, they had to get two aisles uh for the band as well. So yeah, it was really I- yeah, it was, it was pretty really cool. cool to like, you know, hear the classic, you know, marching band stuff, you know, the Purple Haze and, you know, obviously the Wabash and the, you know, uh, Wildcat March and stuff. But now I also heard this from somebody today that uh, the the board show like couldn't tell TCU and K-State fans apart. So like K-State would score a touchdown and it would show TCU fans like they thought it was K-State fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I mean, I. I mean, again, I was at the game. I did not have too much ideas. Well, I okay. Here's the thing that was a little bit disappointing. Uh, there was definitely more like shots of TCU fans based on the video board. I don't know if that was that was because TCU technically had the home field advantage, home home game advantage. Um, but every time when they when they show like a a sign of a hypnotoad or like a phone with the hypnotoad i mean the tcu fans just blew their minds and they just started like praising it like it's some kind of god or something uh, i don't know it's it's an absolute joke it's irrelevant now <laughs> but uh but nonetheless they were when the momentum was on their side uh they were very very loud um and that goes for K State as well. I mean, it wasn't but it wasn't as loud as TCU, but I mean, it was still really loud. I mean, and, and, oh, and then it was uh in terms of the like echoing stuff, like it's it, it's the the stadium that has so much echo to the point where you're barely barely able to hear the PA announcer as well. I mean, I I could not hear the PA announcer for my life. Uh, I mean, and at least for last year in the K-State-Stanford game, at least we were able to hear Mitch Fortner through the PA because Stanford didn't have any fans. Uh, but you could barely – I mean, you couldn't hear the PA announcer at all in this game. Huh. I mean, it is tough with a stadium that big having to account for all of the delay of obviously, you know, coming from one speaker to the other side. They're going to come out at different times because sound, you know, yeah. um, only travels so fast. So, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing to account for. But, um, yeah, it seemed like – I mean, yeah, I could definitely – it seemed pretty even um, from the broadcast, at least in terms of just the loudness of both sides. Um, I, it was kind of pissing me off during the game. It felt like they only showed TCU fans pretty yeah. much the entire time on ABC. It was maybe a couple wide shots of maybe, you know, like the band doing the Wabash and stuff. Um, that wasn't really a ton for the K-State side, which kind of made me mad, but – it's not really that big of a deal because we're the Big Twelve champs, baby. Um, so let's yeah, talk. Well, 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 well Blake, we're 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 just coming out here to play spoiler, all right? We're we're I mean, we're not. We don't need to be the stars of a show for ESPN to be pointing at. I mean, sure, it all like we all look pretty enough to be on ABC, but uh, j- just leave all the uh, f- just leave all the jokes to the TCU fans after the game. I mean, I'm sure. After they got some looks at Duggan, they had some looks at their fans just showing how depleted they were afterwards and depressed. Uh, but but on the K-State side of things, I mean, you don't have to worry about that at all. Uh, I mean, K-State, I mean, the football team could say otherwise, but we really, I mean, would you say that we really had anything to lose in this game? Because TCU, of course, you could have been talking about the playoff 
I mean, a potential playoff spot on the line, but K-State was just there to win the Big 12, and that's it. So I guess besides winning the conference championship, it wasn't too much. I mean, there wasn't too much there. I mean, I think K-State just wanted to, uh, was was just fair was to create some havoc and just didn't get the dang conference trophy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, TCU definitely had a lot more to lose. That's definitely fair to say because we obviously didn't know what the committee would do if TC were to lose, especially, you know, if they didn't know what kind of game it was going to be. Um, let's go ahead and get into this game a little bit. Um, I kind of just want to walk through the game because I think there's a lot going on here. There's some interesting stuff to talk about and some stuff that you or, you know, the people listening may have um, forgotten it happened because the whole game was such a blur and we were all such emotional wrecks for the entire game. Um, I was. I was especially. <laughs> yeah. I was it, the whole time I was freaking out. And I, yeah. was, <laughs> I was I, I was losing from I I was getting gray hairs every single minute. <laughs> every I single bet. minute. Wow, that's that's a pretty fast pace. Um I mean, like we've talked about this a lot, but there are a ton of stories in this game that I think are really interesting. I mean, K-State, all the injuries that were starting to add up, you know, Echo Boydo makes a good, you know, pass defense to get a stop for um, for K-State, but he hurts his arm. He's out for the game. Malik Knowles, who shows up on the sideline, you know, he's crying on the bench. He's out for the game. KT Levinson gets hurt for a series. He's out for the game. Um, am I missing anybody? There's some other injuries. Yeah, well, I think, well, what the other one that comes into mind late in the game was Uso. Oh, Uso uh, as well. But yeah, I mean, those things adding up and the, you know, the storyline of having Jacob Parrish and VJ Payne on the same side, Keenan Garber having to come in and play defensive back um, to fill in that, you know, backside of the defense in which left Julius Brents and Quentin Johnson in a one-on-one matchup pretty much the entire time. And it was a really interesting matchup to kind of key in on. He kind of got in the third quarter. It got kind of rough for him, got some PIs, got beat a couple times. Um, but I mean, he stayed in the fight. That's the kind you know, that's how being a DB is. You're not going to win every battle, but you know, I think he made the most of it. And you know, that was a really good, really, I mean, Quentin Johnson's probably gonna be a top 10 pick. So, I mean, that's a great matchup for Julius Brents. Absolutely. Well, put, well, also add on to this. I mean, right after the third, right, right when the third quarter ended and on the first play of the fourth quarter, third and seven for TCU, Duggan, Looks to throw to the to the right uh, left side of the end zone. I I don't remember if it was Johnson, who it was, was. In the open, but uh, Julius Brents was there at the right time to get the pick and prevents prevents TCU from taking the lead. Um, so that was a big play on his part. I mean, that was, I mean, to, if you want to talk about another mo- momentum shift right there, um, for K State because I believe that was the play that set up. Uh, a few, a few drive. Well, that was the play that set up a drive that, uh, that involved Deuce Vaughn with a forty-four yard run. So, I mean, that was that was crazy. And then, yeah, Quentin Johnston. I mean, he made some tremendous plays, but, and you know, he 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 himself caught himself. Uh, caught was caught in a bad situation as well. He was uh, uh, he he got a he caught a tip pass from uh Duggan. Uh, and I believe it was either oh, I want to say either Drake Cheatham or Julius Prince that ran end that ran into him, and he eventually lost the ball. Uh, which K State got the ball back like right before the right before the half. So, um, n- nonetheless, uh, uh, yeah, I, I I honestly don't know where I was going, but with that, but it it is what it is. It was still 
Um, uh, he, I mean, yeah, Quentin Johnson still made a bunch of tremendous plays, but that one is also going to come back to him by TCU. Uh, I mean, TCU, it, it, it was the turnovers. I mean, that and uh, as well as the Julius Sprint's pick is really what was the difference. I mean, we can talk about the overtime situation, but those two plays didn't occur. And if it resulted in a non-turnover for TCU, if Quentin Johnson was able to hold on to that ball, and if Duggan was able to get the touchdown on a third and seven from the eight, uh, then TCU probably would have been a would have probably been a little bit more comfortable uh, heading down to the stretch as well. Yeah, I mean TCU definitely had a lot of missed opportunities and mistakes they made themselves with those two turnovers. Max Duggan overthrew some balls, uh, but K State had their share of opportunities as well. I mean, one of the things that I kind of I mean forget is the start of the game. We started off pretty bad. I mean, you know, we get the ball, punt it. TCU goes down and scores. We punt it right back to them after that. And then they're driving again. And, uh, I mean, they get a, we kind of get a lucky drop from, I think, Savion Williams, I want to say, near the end zone. For some reason, on fourth and 10, they kick a 55-yard field goal, which I think is a little questionable from Sonny Dykes. But he ends up missing it. And we capitalize on the the opportunity. And then we kind of start rolling from there. Our defense gets their stuff together. You know, Benson, it walks one in on fourth and one pass for, to tie the game at seven. And then you know, uh, we get a big um, run from Malik Knowles, which unfortunately led to his injury. Um, and then Will Howard walks one and we're up 14-7, you know, and we're the momentum has completely shifted from, I mean, I just felt like, I mean, when it was seven, nothing, we punted back to him. I was just like, well, I mean, TCU just looks like the better football team here. And I, they, I, have a, I had a feeling that they could just run away with it, but they ended up not. We stayed in the fight and we continued to battle. I mean, we were up 14, seven and um, you know, near the end of the first half, there's that pass to Cade Warner that if Will Howard, you know, doesn't underthrow it, Cade Warner almost catches it. It's the one where they go to review and he just barely had the bottom of the football touch the grass and they called it an incompletion. And that, that was, I mean, that's a huge swing right there. Cause we punt it right where we're up 14, seven, we punt it to TCU. They go and kick a field goal before halftime. So instead of, you know, um, 21, seven, it's 14, 10, which is, I mean, just something totally different. Um, and I don't know how you felt John going into halftime. I was, I mean, I was a nervous wreck the whole game, but I, I think I saw some stuff on Twitter getting pretty like somber just cause I mean, it feels like four points is like being like down 10 points against TCU given the way they play in the second half. Yeah. And I think you alluded to it. Well, I mean, but the second half, I mean, TCU was going to get the ball. Uh, so, I mean, and we, and we saw this early on in the season as well with K state, they had that big lead, but what, what 28, 17, I want to say it was 28, 10. We're up 28, 10 against TCU. Well, TCU scored. Well, yeah, but TCU. Are you scored, talking about, are you talking about this game? Oh no, the last game. Yeah. We're but up 28, 10. Yeah, but then TCU scored right before the half um, because the offense stalled out, and TCU got the ball to start the second half, and they just started putting it on K-State, uh, as well as the injuries starting to occur for for the Cats as well. But, um, yeah, I, I, for, for my six, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be the last game all over again, just with the way TCU's defense is. And on top of that, you don't have Echo Boyd up. You don't have one of your top key playmakers in Echo Boydo. I mean, you're 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 just completely trapped to Josh Hayes and Julius Brents and Drake Cheenham as as you're pretty much the 
top three guys on the secondary, and, and you're you're still gonna have to deal with the lethal passing attack from Max Duggan for the most part. So I I was a little bit nervous. Yeah, you were right. I mean, I I I was completely nervous. I was very concerned to see what would happen. Um, but it did give me. But after the first possession, it did give me the. I should have said that again. After the first possession of of the third quarter from from TCU's offense, I mean, I started to gain a lot more trust in K State's defense. I mean, you look at the past two games, especially. Where just where it looked completely shaky, shaky against West Virginia and Kansas, and the next thing you know, they come back in the second half. Uh, they only gave up seven points to Kansas, uh, and I believe they only gave up six or seven to West Virginia as well. Um, I mean, it just comes to show you how much progress they they've made, and despite all the injuries, despite all the controversies on who's going to fill in for who in, uh, in, the, in the secondary position. I mean, they did their, I mean, they did their part. I mean, just covering wide receivers, dugging through a lot of FU incompleted passes, uh, providing a, I mean, the defensive line provided a, a lot of pressure as well. Uh, they, 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 um, they came in clutch early on in the, in, in the uh, second half. That's for sure. Yeah, let's talk about what happened on that first possession because, I mean, I was worried, you know, kind of like what happened in the last TCU game, kind of the attrition of injuries would would add up. TCU would drive down the field and score, you know, and they'd have the momentum right back. But no, third and nine, you know, Max Duggan's rolling out to his right. Austin Moore, I mean, like LeBron James just goes in there, jumps up, blocks Max Duggan's pass, and it goes back into the end zone. TCU gets it, but it's a safety, right? But um, they review it. They say it's a forward pass. I wish I could have gotten a rules expert to come in because it doesn't really make sense to me. I understand that his arm's going forward, right? But the ball yeah. never leaves. Right, yeah. The, the ball never leaves his hand going forward. Austin Moore blocks it while it's still in his hand. So even if it's technically, you could say it's a pass, but it never went forward. You, It should be a backward pass, mm-hmm. like, you know, thrown behind the line of scrimmage. So that would still be a safety um, I, I would need like a little bit more explanation on that. Um, so I'm not saying it's a missed call or anything, but I well, just, I'll, I need some clarification on that. I'll tell you what, Blake. Are you going to make a definitive I, statement? I, <laughs> Big 12 I, refs suck. Well, my mind was completely phased out. Like, well, tonight, well, tonight while we're recording this, my brain was completely like it completely faded out that moment right there. But, um, I mean, while while it did look as if the ball had no movement, it was going backwards. I believe Duggan's hand, but but motion was was like he was still trying to throw it. It's like um, uh, what what's his name? Uh, Peyton Bender when the K when in the two thousand eighteen K State KU game, it looked like Bender he was going to throw it, uh, but but the ball just went out completely wrong on out of his hand. Uh, and it resulted in a fumble in case they recovered to win that game. I thought I kind of noticed the same thing as well, but I think maybe there was just a little bit of a forward pass there for Duggan. Yeah, but okay, so his arm is going forward. I agree yeah. with that. It's his arm is going forward, but the pass doesn't move. Like the ball doesn't move out of his hand forward at all. It's like it's like a, you know that um when the Dolphins ran that fake field goal and their place kicker tries to throw it and it goes back behind him. You know, have you seen that clip before? I've not seen that. An before. epic fail. Well, like that's not a forward pass because he didn't throw it forward; he threw it backwards. 
So I, that's the part that confuses me. I don't want to spend like 10 minutes on this because, you know, it's of little consequence because we won the game anyway. But that was something during the game. I was kind of like, that's just a rare thing you don't see very often. But um, I mean, ball don't I mean, ball don't lie anyway, because, you know, they punt to us. And then, I mean, another big storyline is how are we going to make up without for Malik Knowles production? He he has been such he's improved so much over these last few weeks, especially with the help of having Will Howard at quarterback. But where's the production going to come from? Well, here right. comes R.J. Garcia, like you mentioned um, near the top of the show, just makes an, a crazy grab, you know, way up. I mean, just his max reach to get two hands on it. Will Howard could he could put it at a place only R.J. Garcia could get it, and he went and got it. Um, and then you know the TCU gets an unsportsmanlike penalty on that too. Their their like corner was trying to square up on Ben Sinnott. Like you're gonna you're gonna fight Ben Sinnott. He punched him with his helmet on, and then he squared up to him. Ben Sinnott could not care less. That's just one of the funny like, dude, you're oh. not like that. Like you're gonna try and fight Ben Sinnott. Come on, man. That dude was like a buck sixty. He he would have no shot. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, we go up by eleven. And we're starting to feel the momentum, right? I mean, um, you know, TCU gets the ball back, third and seven, big Felix sack. He brings the thunder on Max Duggan. I mean, and it's like we're up 11 and we're getting the ball back. Like, holy cow, like we can make this three possessions, just totally run away with it and make it get it out of the game out of hand without already having to break a sweat, right? Right. right. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Philip Brooks muffs the punt. Ken J. Miller scores a few plays later. Every K-State fan's heart is in their stomach right now because it's 21-17 instead of potentially 28-10. And you do not want to be in a one-possession game against TCU given everything that's happened um, throughout their season. I mean, you could kind of feel – It kind of reminded me of the Kansas game a little bit when when Brooks was just quickly moving to the left side thinking he he was able to possess the ball. I mean, if it's it's looking just – if it's not in your range, just don't bother it at all. We'll we'll see how it bounces one way or the other. Um, but on a play like that, you just can't give up those type of you just can't give up those type of catches. Especially when you're considering your defense just made one of the biggest tops in the game. Your offense just scored on a on a big touchdown, in which I, I forgot to mention earlier. Shout out to Ben Sinnott. He was the one that that ultimately led to the touchdown uh, with the 26-yard pass as well. Um, but uh, you you just can't give up those type of big plays, and with and and especially against this TCU team, and uh, and what you're gonna the defense is still having to deal in a dogfight with Max Duggan and company. Very, I mean, TCU's in a much better position uh, than they were. Uh, I, Prior to the, uh, prior to that, when Felix got the sack, um, because when Duggan completed a pass to battle for I want to say twenty one yards, I believe to to K State's nine nine yard line, and uh, next thing you know, Kendra Miller just runs it in for the touchdown, just makes it like clockwork. Yeah, and it's it's twenty one seventeen, and it's like whew, oh boy. And then, I mean, you know, TCU's got the ball down four. Um, I mean, you mentioned this one earlier. They're in the red zone. You know, it's like, well, I mean, first of all, they're probably going for it no matter what, anything in fourth down. But, I mean, like, they're probably going to score a touchdown here and take the lead. And it's like, I mean, we've had the lead most of the game. And to lose it, you know, this late, it just feels like the game is slipping out of our hands. But um, that was at the start of the fourth quarter. Something I do want to mention 
I think in the start of the, uh, the near, near the third quarter, especially near the end, it was, we start to see the storyline brought up of Max Duggan just getting absolutely completely beat up this whole game. I mean, Joe Klanderman called him a, a great game against an electric TCU offense. As far as I can tell, I think we've held now every single team. I mean, we did, I, I don't think we, I don't know what TCU's scoring average was at the time, but we hold every team below their scoring average. Um, this season, um, Joe Clendon is just—he's an absolute dog of a defensive coordinator. But we've been—we blitzed Max Duggan the entire game. Um, something I want to mention with two seventeen left in the third, he takes an absolutely ginormous shot from Khalid Duke um, on a third down. It's a big completion to Johnson, but he underthrew it, and Julius Branch just didn't see it. It was just kind of one of those things where it, the ball went his way to Johnson, unfortunately. But um. Back to the start of the fourth quarter. I mean, you mentioned it on that third and seven. I think the pressure finally got to Max Duggan. He was feeling he didn't want to take another big shot. We were bringing the house, and he just throws a floater up to Quentin Johnson, and it's way short, and Julius Brench is able to just make an easy pick, uh, and we get the ball back, which leads to that uh, big Deuce Vaughn touchdown, breaking some dude's ankles. We're up 28-17 with 10 minutes left. I mean, this game has just been back and forth between – you know, we're just so we feel the game slipping out of our hands to be firmly in control again with 10 minutes left up 11. Um, I mean, in that drive after we get fourth and 10 on TCU in the middle of the field, we've got a chance to stop them. If we get that, we get good field position can go down and score. But Tay Barber, who takes a shot during that catch yeah. um, from Drake wow. Cheatham, I believe, or maybe VJ Payne, but he takes a big shot, gets the wind knocked out of him. Luckily, he was OK um, and able to get make that grab. Um, they have to settle for three, so it's an eight-point game. And of course, I saw Baylor on Twitter, or somebody from Baylor on Twitter was, you know, talking about how a 28-20 lead against TCU is 100%. I was like, I'm not, I'm not hearing this right now. I'm 100% locked in. Um, and then we miss a big pass to Deuce Vaughn, so we have to punt it back to him. Um, with 4:47 left in the fourth quarter, John, Max Duggan and company get the ball back down eight. And this is the Max Duggan drive. This is the this is his Heisman campaign in one drive. I mean, there are, these are there are five huge runs by Max Duggan, including the big forty yarder where he's just absolutely gassed running down the sideline. And then, I mean, one of the things I think is weird. I think I've told you this before, but like he runs for forty yards. He's obviously completely gassed. He's got yeah. he is on yeah. empty. He's probably more than empty. And then um, Garrett Riley's like, let's run QB power. It's like, <laughs> can we, well, can we one call a timeout to try and get his, you know, I know K-State was kind of on the ropes there, but I mean, obviously it worked out for him, but I, that's just not, that's not what have been my first instinct to see my quarterback totally gasp. Be like, you know, I mean, maybe he wanted to run it, but I was like, run QB power when he's got, he was, he was jogging into the end zone. <laughs> I mean, he, he was running uh, with every living will he had. <laughs> Uh, I mean, just absolute. I mean, he was an absolute. He, he had he had the wheels in him, like fifteen yards on the on the first run. Uh, n- next thing you know, uh, he runs for thirteen yards and then nineteen yards and then the big forty. Uh, uh, what was it? Forty yards and then he kept off with an eight yard run. I mean, that's not easy on a quarterback, and especially for Max Duggan, who has dealt with some medical concerns in the past. I mean, he, he, I'd imagine, I mean, it, it would not surprise me at all that he would be completely gassed and exhausted after that. I mean, 
I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, he he did not want to celebrate. He just wanted to go back uh, off to the sideline um, just with, with how, how exhausted he was having to deal with this K-State defense all day long. Well, not to mention the fact he had five big runs, including a 40-yarder, and then right back he runs a QB power in for a touchdown. They still got to go for two. He's still got to go yeah, in there and throw a two-point conversion, which it was a totally blown coverage. Um, their Their tight end was wide open. And it's like, oh no, we we get this feeling of like, oh no, like it's happening to us. Like TCU is going to come back and make their some crazy win against us. It's going to happen again. How can this keep happening to them? It's going to be the hypno toe luck all over again. Yeah, I mean, we get the ball with a minute fifty. Uh, we don't really do a ton. Um, we punt it back to TCU with thirty eight seconds left. You know, credit to Ty Zentner, Shane, uh, Seth Porter makes a great catch over the shoulder at the five yard line. That's something to talk about. Hold them at the five. They can't really do anything with 38 seconds. They take a knee. We go to OT. And, and it, and a little bit of a shout out to uh, Seth Porter as well. Uh, I mean, Malik Knowles, of course goes out and he's one of the big, re- uh, big return playmakers for K state. Uh, so you have not only Phillip Brooks, but you also got to, uh, but you also have to uh, fill in, fill in a gap with someone there. And Seth Porter comes in and, uh, on on a return game makes it as if it's no big deal, and on 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 a return or two, and then next thing you know, uh, he just goes sprinting for the football and catches it around. I want to say the five or ten. Wait, what? Wait, where was where was the punt at? Hold on, I got to take a look at this. I I have I think to, it was at the I five. Have, uh, I was down at the TCU six, TCU six yeah. red line, but. Um, it pretty much, it, I mean, it pretty much just limited TCU to any opportunity they had of going all the way down the field and they had to call a timeout and next thing you know, taking a knee and four quarters wasn't enough. We had to go to overtime right after that. Yeah. And keep in mind for me, um, you're in Arlington. The reason I wasn't in Arlington is because I had to work the Wichita state game and ESPNU was there and I was working the game for ESPNU. And, you know, for TV, you got to have early call time. So call time was three o'clock and it's oh. two and it's like two fifty, and we're going to OT and it's like, well, I'm gonna be late to work. Uh, so, um, <laughs> which I mean, just, when you're five hours early to a game, wasn't that big of a deal, but yeah, we go to OT, um, you know, Adrian Martinez, our boy making one, you know, I mean, he'll probably get some playing time with the sugar bowl, but the biggest decision of his life calling for tails, tails never fails. Real MVP. <laughs> the real MVP. No, no. So TCU gets the ball first. Um, they look pretty good. You know, big Kendry Miller run. They get down to the goal line. Obviously, John, third and goal, fourth and goal. We're able to stop them. Um, I mean, I think TCU fans are probably going to be pretty salty about that third and goal run because you see that over the top view. You see that the ball is over the plane. But the thing is, you can't tell where if his knee is down or not or where his knee goes down. And unfortunately, I mean, you can't overturn something like that, given the evidence and whatever the call on the field was, was the call on the field. So, I mean, you just, I mean, you know, you got to win at the line of scrimmage and make it a lot easier. So it doesn't have to go to review like that, but I mean, you know, third and goal, fourth and goal, just, I mean, Eli Huggins get in there, absolutely making a huge play. I mean, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be something, a clip that's going to be played in hype videos, you know, in everything for decades and decades and decades. Eli Huggins, Cody Stufflebean, and Felix Anidike Uzama were all in that mashed pile, and they and they just brought the thunder down on on Kendra Miller. I mean, and I and I understand like you don't want to you don't want to hurt your 
uh, just to have you don't want to have your quarterback Max Duggan to be completely completely uh, out of a wind in overtime. Uh, you, I mean, they wanted to go with Kendra Miller, but I personally believe that was the wrong decision. If you want to, uh, you probably should have just gone with a quarterback sneak, uh, at least on one of those plays. But it it just didn't pan out for TCU and. I mean that pretty much well doomed for the Horn Frogs because K State got the ball back and, uh, I mean that's all she wrote after that. I mean I I I mean we can we can talk about Ty Zetner's kick, but that that was that pretty that stopped pretty much sealed the deal because, uh, K State went back onto the field, uh, and had a, had a jet sweep or two, and then Will Howard uh went down uh went down to the position in which kicking it, I want to say. 31-yard field goal. Let's see. Uh, yeah, 31-yard field goal. Uh, just completely straight. Uh, with the goalposts in line. I mean that that was. Uh, I mean that was game. That was game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, talk about how different this season would be if we didn't have Ty Zentner. I mean, all the kicking struggles that we had. We missed two field goals against TCU. It's like, I mean, what? We can't go to the Big Twelve Championship if we're not special teams. You. And, you know, to, I mean, I think it's cool to come full circle. You know, I think we talked about the special teams trouble. I think even after the first game or the second game of the season, you know, to come full circle and have Ty Zentner come out there with a smile on his face. I think everybody was 100% confident. Why? Maybe not a hundred percent confident, but very confident that Ty Zentner was going to kick that through the uprights. And that's what he did. And I mean, we walk it off in overtime, 31, 28. Like we, he's like a Tron now. There's no other, there's nobody else that can compare to the greatness than the Topeka native uh, and Ty Zetner now. Uh, I mean, what, what it was great for him as well because, um, I mean, after the game, he, I mean, he, he went on to, uh, he went on uh, some kind of media and he just said, uh, I mean, that, 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 this is the type of team I want to fight for and, 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 and battle for and die for as well. And he, I mean, he just came in clutch the entire season. I mean, never mind, never mind that, that kick right there. Um, but I mean, he was just absolutely, I mean, he came in clutch in t- this season. Uh, I mean, you alluded to all the kicking struggles with, with Chris Tennant early on. Uh, and then in the first game as well, it was the uh, Fort Worth win factor as well, but didn't work. Uh, but didn't help special teams uh, in any way possible. But I mean, Ty Zentner, with the way I mean, with him coming in, uh, just completely changed everything for this uh, for this K State special teams unit. Whether it was, whether it was uh, the longest field goal kick against West Virginia. Uh, KU muffing a punt on on their first on their on what was expected to be their first possession, which led to a K State score. He pin he later on been pinned them again, uh, forcing a safety for uh, a few plays later. Uh, and next thing you know, I mean, he just punts. I mean, he punts the ball. It's like it's no big deal. He just pins them just so deep to the point where they're starting around the five five yard line, ten yard line, fifteen yard line. And it's like he, it's like it's no big deal at all. I mean, on top of that, the field goal kicking has been has been on point. Uh, I mean, I mean, it was just completely fitting that the game, uh, that the game ended with with uh, with the power of his foot. 
Yeah, I think field position is something that's kind of underrated. I mean, you think about the amount of times that we pinned them and said they're 20. You know, when they started the second half and had to pump from their 10, we had great field position. I think field position is something that um, it kind of flies under the radar. And TCU had to make put some real big drives together if they wanted to score. <sighs> so we made it through the end of the game. I mean, what a game. Just, I mean, this is one of the greatest games of college football that I've ever seen, period, involving K-State or not. Um, just I mean, the amount of back and forth. I mean, from the rough start, going up 14-7. I mean, we didn't even talk about this, John. We turned it over on downs on a fourth and one at the TCU like 40. And then the very next play for TCU is that fumble and we get the ball right back. And I mean, it's just, I mean, we ended up punting, but the amount of uh, just so much back and forth, but between both of these teams, it was a, just a true battle. Um, and, and we managed to come out on top and it ended up working out for everybody because we're the big 12 champions. We're going to the sugar bowl to play Alabama. And, and TCU still in the playoff. So what for TCU as well? I mean, as long as the game was close, TCU was TCU was going to be in the playoff because you for one USC lost to Utah yesterday. They they're eliminated, so it's down to two zero loss teams and two one and two one loss teams. I think that's as funny as it could possibly be. Uh, I mean, it was a win win for both teams this weekend. It was a close game. But just didn't go TCU's way. Yeah, still making it into the playoffs. Uh, they just let the better team uh win the Big Twelve trophy at uh yesterday yeah. as well. I, I think I, I'm, I'm very inconsistent uh with the timing and all this episode. I, I firmly believe in my heart that that the better team won that day. I think K State played better than TCU. I'm incredibly biased, but um, in my opinion, I I think the better team Absolutely. won that day. So, yeah. I'm, I mean, we've kind of known for a while. We knew we were a lock for the Sugar Bowl, um, unless TCU somehow – I mean, if TCU somehow didn't make it into the playoff, they would have just been absolutely hosed. They would have got some way less bowl than the uh, college football playoff. But, I mean, we're playing Bama in the Sugar Bowl, John. It's official. We mm -hmm. want Bama. We got Bama. We wanted Bama, and we got Bama. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know if any of you saw, but Nick Saban going on Fox and ESPN – desperately just trying to pull to make the college football playoff. Oh, well, if you put us up against any of the playoff teams, would we be underdogs? Oh, we need to get them to playoff. You, I no. Mean, I no. mean, this is, I hope I don't get in trouble for this as well, but I mean, Nick Saban just looked like a poor man on the street, just beg, just begging for the committee to place him in like trying, I mean, trying to make him, trying to make the committee feel bad to the point where they had to add him because they weren't to be to the best of their capability. All the hell. Oh, let's do it. Yeah. 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 We played the best we did in the final three games of the season for, well, first of all, your final three games was an underperforming Ole Miss team uh, in as well as Austin P and Auburn. Your best win came up against an eight and four Mississippi state 30 to six. You barely squeeze out a win over Ole Miss, Texas, and Texas A&M. And then on top of that, you lost to a four-loss LSU team who lost to that Texas A&M team uh, by a pretty massive margin as well. So any of those Alabama fans, and, and Nick Saban as well, 
golly, you, you just need to be humble at, at, at times. I mean, TCU and Ohio State were much deservingly uh, into the playoff, uh, end of a playoff conversation than Alabama was. I mean, they were not making an end of the playoffs play. Yeah. I mean, a big topic of discussion among like casual fans, aka Stephen A. Smith, um, was you know that Alabama's two losses were by a combined four points. You know, a game-winning field goal um, against Tennessee on the road, and then a two-point conversion uh, by LSU to win. So, I mean, those are two very close losses, right? You know, a couple plays go differently. You never know. But I think the thing that doesn't get talked about is how unimpressive their wins are. I mean, they don't have a truly dominant win. You're, you know, you have to kick a game-winning field goal against Texas with their backup quarterback. Um, you know, you're most you beat Arkansas by a lot, but that hasn't aged well. You, you know, the game against Texas AM comes down to the last play. You know, I mean, if that goes differently, you could be looking at a three-loss Bama team that's maybe not even the top 15, given how Texas AM season played out. You play Mississippi State where you score six points in the second half. And then Ole Miss, I mean, Ole Miss had a shot to drive and win that game. That was a very, very close game. And then, I mean, you know, they beat Austin P, 34-0. So, I mean, that's a good stat patter, I guess, since you play um, four non-conference games in the SEC. Because, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know, I don't know. But um, I think it's going to be a very, you know, given all of that Alabama slander, we just throw on for them to not make the playoff. They're, they're obviously an extremely talented team. I think it's going to be a great opportunity to play them. It's going to be good PR for K-State no matter what. We're going to have some good beef with Alabama, I think. Um, and, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not happy to be – we're just happy to be in the Sugar Bowl. We want to win that thing. We want to beat Bama. We, I think we're a, we're on the same caliber as a team like Bama. And if we can, you know, put, put on a good show for ourselves, we've already established ourselves as a contender, you know, as kind of like setting ourselves at the top of the table in the Big 12, in the new Big 12. Yep. But to establish the new Big 12 as a contender nationally – that comes on our shoulders. Well, that means deliver. I mean, TCU's shoulders as well. Hopefully they can deliver as well. But I mean, we're fortunate enough to just play Oklahoma and Texas. Like like just Oklahoma and Texas in the big 12. We never, I mean, the last time we really had this big of a marquee matchup uh, was Auburn back in 2014. I mean, biggest non-conference get marquee game. Auburn in 2014. Maybe Stanford, twenty sixteen too. They were top ten, I'm pretty sure, but that's not SEC. But yeah, I mean, it's on that caliber. But yeah, I mean, keep going. Sorry, but not. I mean, but not to the blue blood caliber that is Alabama, Georgia, yeah. Ohio State. I mean, L- I mean, LSU was meh. I mean, they, not they're, they're, not at the time. <laughs> but they were very powerhouse. But I mean, they can use all the excuses all they want. Uh, but. Uh, the only valid one is that they didn't have enough players in that game. Meanwhile, somewhere uh, in Baton Rouge, uh, Chip Kelly—I mean Brian Kelly—still talking about uh, his family uh, and whatnot. But um, we'll see what happens. I mean, and this is this is completely different. This is a completely different type of game, by the ways, because it's not going to be an interim head coach for LSU on the sidelines. It's going to be Nick Saban. The best coach in college football. I mean, he he the, the national championships that he's won. I mean, the 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 talent that he's able to bring in. I mean, despite Will Anderson and Bryce Young likely withdrawing uh to go to the NFL draft, I mean, they still got some dudes on that team. 
I haven't fully looked into Alabama yet. I, I've just been, mo- mo- for the most part, taking a look at um, uh, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, and to a lesser, uh, to a lesser degree, uh, Jalen Mil, uh, Mil- Milrow. I want to say that's his name, the backup quarterback. Oh uh, yeah, that looks as if that might be K State's matchup, uh, quarterback matchup in the Sugar Bowl, but. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, I, I, I'm so excited to see this game. I'll see if I, I'm, I'll see if I'm able to make it down to New Orleans. Don't know yet. We'll see. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see for the most part. Uh, but I mean, getting this opportunity to not only play in a New Year's Six game itself, but you're playing against the University of Alabama in a bowl game. Uh, I, I, I am so excited for this, and I'm sure the football players are as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an opportunity that they're definitely um, really looking forward to. So that doesn't mean we can continue to talk crap on Alabama because their fans are incredibly insufferable uh, and delusional. Oh, of course they are. I mean, they haven't, they've been good their entire lives. I mean, besides a couple of years here and there, like they're, they're one of the most prestigious football programs in college football history, which just breeds um, ignorance and arrogance and cockiness and just being a general D-bag that we see from Texas and Nebraska fans who've completely fallen off and um, pretend like, you know, they're reliving the glory days of of yesterday. Um, But maybe if we get an Alabama person on to talk, we'll make sure to let them know that, like, you know, hey, when y'all suck, like, don't be like Nebraska. Like you see how their fans are. You see how their athletic department is. Don't be like, learn from them. Y'all are going to suck eventually. Don't be like them. Don't, don't. If, if, if Nick Saban can retire or die, I'm not sure if he's, a, he may be immortal. Don't um, be, don't be like Nebraska. Oh no, no, no. Don't be like Miami where you're focusing on the past uh, of winning national championships. I yeah. mean, Gosh, remember that thirty for thirty? Gosh, those were good times. Those were those were oh, good man. times. I'm sure. I'm sure when Nick Saban retires, they're gonna have many thirty for thirty films. Uh, and I guess well, I, I don't know. I mean, this is just one thing that that boggles on my mind. And I talked to Monty Putnam, uh, on Twitter about this as well. He's a South Carolina fan, uh, down in SEC country. But I mean. Based on what I've seen and based on what uh, he saw this as well, it just kind of looks like the glory days for Alabama are starting to slip away a little bit. They didn't make the playoff in 2019. Uh, I mean, they they lost the national championship in 2021 and they don't make the playoff in 2022. Um, I don't I honestly don't know what like what's going to happen here in the next two to three years in regards to Alabama's football program. Um, but I, I I don't know. We'll we'll see. It's not it's not the same Alabama that we're accustomed to seeing. But I mean, as long as that guy's on the sideline, I mean, as long as Saban is on the sideline, I mean, it, it's it's just the type of matchup that you would get up for. Absolutely. Don't know if it's gonna be the same case on the other side sideline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to kind of wrap all of this whole thing up, um, from the Big Twelve Championship perspective, um, I think it's just it's just a great feeling of pride for these K-State fans for, you know, I think the 28 seniors we have to get, you know, the Kate Warners who, you know, transferred from Nebraska, you know, decide to stay an extra year 
to play mm-hmm. with Adrian Martinez and he knew this, what this team was capable of. And that came to fruition, you know, all of our, you know, all of our defensive back seniors, you know, Julius Brantz, Boydo, Boido, you know, and, and Philip Brooks, Malik Knowles, you know, all, all these seniors, you know, Hayden Gillum, our entire offensive line, basically. Um, and maybe Cooper baby, if he decides to go pro all these guys who've worked so hard to, you know, establish the Chris Kleiman era at K state and this four year plan that he's been building has come to fruition. It's just a real shame. It would have been nice if Skylar Thompson could find a way, you know, to get a seventh year, you know, medical COVID red shirt, um, just to be, you know, an honorary player to, to get a ring and be a part of the team. Like an honorary team captain. And, you know, Skylar Thompson, he laid the foundation for this football program on and, and setting the standard for what's to come uh, within the future. I mean, and, and why I do say that on Skylar Thompson's part, Adrian Martinez and Will Howard. I mean, it. I mean, it doesn't matter what, the quarterback battle. I mean, those dudes are there to play for each other. I mean, Chris Kleiman mentioned it uh, in when in his first team meeting with K State as holding each other accountable, laying it on the line for the guy next to you every single day, and the, and it's it's a complete unit that it, like they play. They. I mean. It, yeah, I, I don't know what I was doing right there, but th- it's a complete unit. They're, they're, they're bonded together. Uh, the, the, the bonds just continue to grow on this team. Uh, they, I mean, their missions, uh, I mean, they have a mission this year and was to contend for the Big 12 title. I mean, Deuce Vaughn also mentioned as well that it doesn't matter how many carries I get or how many touchdowns I get. I just want to win a Big 12 title. Um, and I think that's I think that it was the occurrence in everybody's mind as well. But all that talent that they had coming in this year, this was K State's best chance to win the Big Twelve, uh, for the first time since 2012, and it they delivered. I mean, my my that was my expectations. That was your expectations. That was a lot of people's. Well, in Manhattan, that's a lot of people's like expectations. Um. And they were just able to deliver. I mean, I I couldn't have been more proud <laughs> as a K State fan. I, I'm saying it like a like a proud father, uh, all of a sudden. But, um, I mean that this this team this team was just so much fun to watch this year. And hopefully we get um one last well uh, one last bang uh of a performance against Alabama on the thirty first. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of these guys last time suited up in a K State uniform. So. Um, you know, it's something we're going to want to cherish because, you know, you never know. You don't know what Deuce, gonna, Deuce Vaughn's going to do at the end of the year. Um, Felix is probably gone. You don't know where Cooper BB is. There's a ton of guys here who are seniors who are not going to be here next year. So make sure to, you know, um, cherish while, cherish them while they're still here because, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next year. Um, but it's been, it's been, you know, as far as the regular season and the Big 12 championship, it's been such a, a great season. I mean, I think we're the good luck charm, John. I just, I mean, I don't want to take credit or anything for the entire um, season, but this is our first full season covering K-State football, and they won the Big 12 championship. So, I mean, I mean, I think... I mean you and I started midway through the football season, I want to say against Texas Tech or Iowa yeah. State. One of those two games, but um, I mean, I'm not saying we're good luck or anything, but we'll, but the last we're not time... good luck for the basketball team. We we covered the whole basketball season last year. <laughs> well, the last time, the last time you had an interview with Anthony North, it 
you you were a solo so it didn't work out uh so you were the good luck charm yeah it's well, it's been you all along john it's i mean i i brought up some stupid stupid statistics as well i mean it just completely me it, it's lee it's like lee corso stats when when, when like picking a mascot head was like uh like i like he's undefeated when picking brutus uh I am two and zero oh when seeing K State play on Texas soil. Oh, Lee Corso, two and zero. Oh. Wait, did did uh, Corso in two thousand pick Willie or pick us? Uh, I want to say yes. Oh, shoot, because I was about to say two and zero, oh, but I forgot about two thousand. So he's two and one when he picks K State, but he's picked K State uh, all three times. Maybe I should. Uh, maybe but- we should fact check that. I'm sure Thanks. I'm sure somebody knows. We weren't alive, so we have a pretty good reason to not know. Um, uh what 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 else? Uh I am also 2 and 0 when seeing K-State play with their with their road uniforms. Because of because the only other time I saw it was the 2009 Iowa State game in Arrowhead Stadium. Wow. Uh, that game was fun as well. Um I was trying to think what was the upper one? Oh, and just I mean for whatever reason, K-State is Three and zero. Well, K State Sports is three and zero when I see them play in either the football championship or the basketball tournament. How about that? I need to work on that. I need to work on that. Yeah, we maybe we'll maybe we'll hire an SID just to get a get it all together for us. Um, we're definitely making enough money for it. So, um, John, uh, I think we were planning to kind of go through all the other uh, Big Twelve bowl games and talk about the basketball games that happened this weekend, but this is already crazy long as it is. So why don't we do this? Um, how about we cut this episode off here? I think we've had our share of fun. And how about we release an episode on Wednesday, going through all the other, the big 12 ball games and doing basketball. Sounds like a plan. All right, cool. Well, um, you just heard us come up with a plan on the spot, little behind the scenes action for those of you that are still here. Um, so thank you so much for listening. We're Big 12 champs, and it has been so fun uh, just to get here and talk about K-State sports. I'd probably be doing this anyway. So um, it's been a ton of, for, ton of fun for us to uh, get here and talk about it. So uh, we'll be back Wednesday to go through the Big 12 bowl games, talk some K-State basketball over this weekend, and cast by 90. Cast by 90. Emo! Uh, the-